Have you ever wondered what it would be like to explore a novel that references other fictional works within its pages? Or perhaps you're curious about the challenges of creating meaningful stories with each tarot card? Well, get ready to embark on a journey of discovery as we explore these intriguing topics and more. In this week's episode of Spiritual AF Sundays, we bring in Kirsten Weiss, author of The Mysteries of Tarot, to discuss her latest work that brought a book referenced in her Tea and Tarot mystery series to life. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and enlightened as we explore the fascinating intersection of storytelling and tarot. Want to know which card a mystery writer found the most difficult to describe? Keep on listening. It's time to grab your favorite beverage, sit in your favorite chair, and get ready for this week's episode of Spiritual AF Sundays, The Mysteries of Tarot, an interview with Kirsten Weiss. You're listening to Spiritual AF Sundays, created and hosted by The Mystic Geek. If you're looking to explore intriguing questions about the meaning of life and our place in the universe, then you're in the right spot. We dive into topics often discussed as sound bites on social media and take a deeper look, whether it's woo topics like astrology and mysticism, or seemingly mundane matters like technology and politics, we cover it all. We explore our own thoughts and beliefs, talk to experts, and uncover hidden meanings. These fascinating areas of exploration can help us question ourselves and better understand our world. Ready to grow and explore in your spiritual journey? We're glad you can join us. It's time to start your week off by being spiritual AF. And welcome back, listeners. Today we have Kirsten Weiss with us to talk about her book. And I am fortunate enough to have a copy of it. The Mysteries of Tarot, A Work of Imagination. Glad to have you here, Kirsten. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for, what did they call these things? Draft copies? ARC copy, advanced review copy. Which prominently says, not for resale, not like (laughs) I'd sell it anyways. Yeah, I don't make them that way. (laughs) I knew you wouldn't. Yeah, that's completely legit. So tell us a bit more about yourself. My listeners are curious. I'm normally a mystery writer. I write, for the most part, cozy mysteries. I also do some witch mysteries and some very mildly paranormal mysteries, including a tea and tarot cozy mystery series. And one of the characters in the tea and tarot series is a tarot reader. And so I thought he needed to have his book on tarot, and then it uh, turned into the mysteries of tarot. I'm guessing that you have experience with tarot. What got you into learning more about tarot? I fooled around with a deck in college, like so many of us do. And then after I graduated with an MBA, I joined the Peace Corps and I figured I would have time to actually learn how to use a tarot deck. So I brought one with me to Estonia where I was a Peace Corps volunteer. And I did indeed have a lot of free time to learn the tarot. And it turned into this strange wormhole into the world of Western esotericism and philosophy because there's so much history and symbolism to the tarot that the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn and the more little rabbit holes I had to go down. What is your favorite part about learning and using the tarot? I really enjoy just using the tarot for myself to get insight. It's a way to kind of have a conversation with yourself that you're not completely controlling because you're reading the tarot cards and to sort through things. So for me, that's the main way I use tarot. I think it's a really great meditation tool. 
And I had to admit, I'm a deck collector. I have a ridiculous amount of tarot decks now. They're all, there's so many beautiful decks and interesting decks that are out. So I just love the art. You mentioned having a tarot collection. How many decks would you say you currently have? I've probably got about 20 at this point, which I know people who have a lot more. So that's mild as far as it goes. But to me, it just seems ridiculous, especially since I have three different versions of one deck. Robert Place has a alchemical tarot mm-hmm. it's, and he keeps coming out with new versions. The latest one has silver edges and some extra cards. So I was just like, oh, I have to get it. People don't realize the fun and temptation of the edging or getting the metallic box version or whatnot. They're like, you have two versions. Like, this one has the nice little box that goes clip on it or close it. Yeah, it all makes perfect sense if you love tarot. If you don't love tarot, it probably seems completely mad. Would you say that you have a favorite deck? The Usi produces a deck, I can't remember the name of it, but it's got this lovely back and very kind of medieval looking. Oh, I have that one. Do you remember the name of it? I can't think of it offhand. Yeah, Pagan Otherworlds, yes. And there's a fun guidebook that goes with it, like this little yeah. artsy guidebook. <laughs> yeah, the guidebook is terrific. Yeah, it's an expensive deck. But when you look at the artwork and you look at the texture of the cards, it's almost like canvas paper, just a little bit firmer. Then you realize what you're paying for. You're paying to be able to hold and play with the cards using actual art. Yeah. And again, it has those extra cards with the moon phases and the seeker. And I am a sucker for that sort of thing. Gotta love those extra cards there. So let's pivot back to writing. What motivated you to write your latest book? I was taking a class in flash nonfiction, which is basically very short personal essays. As I was taking the class, I had to produce flash fiction every week or flash nonfiction every week, I should say. And I just, you know, as a writer, most of my week is spent with my butt in the chair staring at a computer screen. I wasn't feeling any inspiration to write about myself or write any personal essays. So I pretended I was my T and tarot character, Hyperion Knight, and I created these little personal essays based around tarot cards. So they were actually flash fiction, not flash nonfiction. So shame on me. But nobody caught me. But one of the other students in the class, we were all like editing each other's stuff and critiquing it. And she's a tarot reader. And she said, you could put these together into a book. These are really interesting. And I thought, yeah, I, I may as well do <laughs> So I just made it a goal for myself to do one a week. and. I produce these little essays from Hyperion about a different tarot card every week and did a lot of editing and put it into a book. But then I realized I'm a mystery writer at heart and I wanted to do more than just Hyperion's tarot book. I felt like I really needed to have some sort of mystery element to stay on my brand. So I ended up weaving a mystery inside the footnotes of the book. Experimental fiction would probably be the best way to describe it. I'm having a hard time figuring out how to market it because it is a legit tarot guidebook. You can learn about the cards and use it for tarot readings, but there's also a mystery in it. You mentioned Hyperion Knight. Who is Hyperion Knight? Hyperion is my imaginary tarot reader. He lives in California. His mother is an astrophysicist and his father is a different kind of scientist. I think a chemist, I can't remember. He became unwilling partners with a woman who wanted to start a tea room. In the first book, Seeped in Murder, they were both conned by a, a fake realtor who conned them out of some first month's rent to rent a building that was not for rent. So they had to first fight each other to see who was going to get the building because they found out they actually could rent it from somebody else. But meanwhile, their money had been stolen. And of course, the con man turns up dead. And they end up becoming partners. So he's a bit 
his personality is a bit more easy breezy. He's just a really fun character. From what you shared, he's the writer. He's the person behind all these various little tarot stories that you have in the book. Yeah, it's Hyperion's book of how to read tarot. He's promoting it as much as he can in some of the other mysteries that he's in. Like the latest mystery was A Sword in the Scout. So he's talking about it a lot then. So it's my own shameless self-promotion where he's talking about his own tarot book, which I wrote. The guidebook is from Hyperion's point of Mm -hmm. view. The premise is that he sent the guidebook off to a friend of his to do what they call a beta read, which is like a friendly edit. Mm -hmm. His friend's a sort of mystic in the woods. And he gets the notes back and he discovers that the notes include this murder mystery that his friend is dealing with and going through. I broke the mystery into a five-act structure to match the five suits of the tarot. Normally, I write in three or four-act structures, but there is a five-act structure. The mystery is structured around the tarot deck as well. It parallels the themes of the tarot cards as you go through the mystery. There's a lot of weird little layers to it. In the grand scheme of things, when you look at fictional genre, especially in the gamer sphere, which I'm part of, the concept of fictional books in a setting are normal. I think it's rather interesting to have it where in your other works, you're referencing this book and now readers have access to the book. Whereas in in a lot of settings, it's like they'll talk about Book of Dragons or so-and-so's Book of This, and you never get to actually read it or understand what the hype is about, but you've built this. You've actually written this for those who are fans of your other books to actually be able to see, and those who are yet to be fans to be able to take this slice and then see how it shows up in your other books. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's the beauty of being a writer. You could build the world out with more and more books. I have a a witch mystery series, The Doyle Witches, and one of the characters is a romance writer, paranormal romance. So I have three little paranormal romance novellas that she wrote as well that you can read. And I did something similar. I wove her mystery through the novellas too. But yeah, it's fun to build out the world. What would you say the most challenging part was for you in creating this book? Some tarot cards were easier to write about than others. Some of them I had to struggle a bit with to come up with a a story that was meaningful. When I first wrote it and then I started going back and editing, I realized that I had very similar stories for several of the cards and then I had to rewrite them or just delete them completely and come up with something new. Because I was writing it over the course of over a year. Again, one card a week, so that's 78 weeks. Usually when I'm writing, I'm pounding everything out over a shorter period of time and I know what I've written. But by the end of that writing period, I'd completely forgotten what my initial stories were for the tarot cards. So I think that was the toughest. The mystery flowed, I felt, fairly easily. I thought the idea of the five-act structure might get more complicated, but it actually, I think, made it simpler. Once I knew what direction I had to take the mystery story in, it, it, it wasn't that difficult for me. You mentioned five act versus three act. For those of our listeners who are not familiar when it comes to story structure, what is the difference between the two of them? Honestly, there's not a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for putting you on the spot. No, it's a fair (laughs) question. So currently the three act structure is favored, it seems, by most writers. It's the one that people tend to go to the most when they're developing their plot. If you think of a mountain, you're building up and then there's a low point and then you come up again and it goes zooming down towards the end. And there's certain beats that are expected. Like you set up the world in the first scenes. Who is this person? What is their world? Who are the people you're going to be introducing? What's the problem they encounter? 
Then the problems get more and more complicated. You might weave in some subplots or some romance uh, subplots. You see it in movies quite frequently. And when I see a movie with something left out, I know immediately that the movie is not going to be successful because we're so used to the highs and lows and flows of movies that we don't know it's called a three-act structure. We don't know that there's a dark night of the soul, but we know when it's not there. We know there's something missing that is supposed to be in the movie that's not there. So the five-act structure has, has pretty much all the beats, but they just broke those three acts into five. I'm familiar with the three-act structure and I will watch a movie and I'll be like, okay, which act are we in? And like, oh, here's that threshold where we go from act two to act three. If you know what you're looking for, you can see it or you cannot see it. And like, this is going to flop. Yeah. They shared that some of the cards were a bit more difficult to write about than others. What would you say was the hardest card for you to write about? I think the... Six of Cups was actually the hardest card, which is weird because that's supposed to be the best card in the deck. <laughs> I don't know if I just wasn't in the place for all the happy. I was like, oh, <laughs> everything's going great. Yay. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, I really had a hard time with that one. Maybe it's the mystery writer in me, but the hard cards, like, oh, the Nine of Swords, Nightmare, and the Ten of Swords, Disaster, a guy with Ten Swords is back. That was easy for me to write. (laughs) I could come up with all sorts of terrible things to happen and little examples of it and make it funny or make it dramatic, but just like a nice happy card is tough. I can see how that might be tough to come up with something on there, especially if that's not your genre for writing about. The happy cards is what do we say here, especially in a mystery novel? Yeah. So... Since I have a copy, I should probably go and see what you wrote there. Now I'm curious. So yeah, this is all pretty awesome. I think this is a different type of book than what I've seen out there for tarot guidebooks. I'm really looking forward to delving into this. And I think my listeners will be as well. From what I remember in our conversation, it's released on May 31st. Yes. Okay. So by the time y'all hear this, it'll be out there for you to get. You'll be able to buy your own copy of this part mystery, part tarot guide. Kirsten, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation when it comes to melding the geeky and mystery along with the more esoteric. Is there any other guidance or any insight that you'd like to share before we go today? Gosh, I think the best way to learn tarot is just to start playing with the deck quite honestly. Using your intuition is a perfectly valid way to do it. Uh I think looking at a card and seeing your own personal symbols is also a totally valid way to do it. So I think books are great. Please buy mine. Don't be afraid to follow your own intuition and just go for it. Yeah, exactly. Can have a foundation and use books for the foundation. But when it comes time for it, you have to rely more on your gut than on external sources on that. All right, Kirsten, where can people find you online? They can find my website, kirstenweiss.com. I'm also, of course, on Amazon. The paperback of this book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I do have an ebook version, which is structured a little bit differently. But I'm not saying this because I make more money off the paperback, because I don't think I do. But I really think this is the kind of book that a paperback is better than an ebook, even though the ebook is available, just because you can use it as a reference book. And Uh for me, when I'm practicing with tarot or looking things up, I prefer a paper book. 
Same here. I don't dog ear them, but I find the little post-it notes, bookmarks in there, book darts, which are like the metal version that you can like slip on the pages, highlighters, though some people shriek at that. I love marking up my books as I go, if they're a reference book. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I really had fun. What a fascinating discussion. Let's take a moment to recap what we've learned today. Kirsten shared her personal story with the tarot, explaining how she became interested in it during college and further explored it during her time at the Peace Corps. She described tarot as a tool of self-reflection and meditation, allowing for meaningful conversations with oneself. Her passion for tarot shines through in her writing and her dedication for exploring its mysteries. During our discussion, Kirsten emphasized the importance of intuition when learning tarot, and she encourages readers to start with playing with their deck and trusting their gut instincts. We delved into the concept of fictional books within a setting, as Kirsten's book, The Mysteries of Tarot, is referenced through her other works. This allows for readers to see how it all connects to a larger world that she's created. If you're a writer, hopefully you get a few ideas of how you can expand your reader's understanding of your own settings and stories. It was a pleasure to have Kirsten Weiss on the show today, and we're excited for the release of her book, The Mysteries of Tarot. Make sure to check it out if you're interested in exploring the world of tarot and mystery. Let's shift our discussion to what's coming up episode-wise. On Sunday, July 30th, we're going to have a solo episode where we discuss Lunasa, aka Lamas, the first of the three harvest festivals on the Wiccan Wheel of the Year. We'll do a high-level overview of how this day fits within witchy traditions and how you can use the subtle energies from this time of the year in your own spiritual practice. The following week, on August 6th, we're going to bring on Reverend Mary Martin to discuss the dangers of dogmatic thinking. We'll start off by explaining what dogma is, how it goes beyond religion, and its impact on society. On that note, we're going to wrap up this week's episode of Spiritual AF Sundays. Remember, in the world of fictional books, the possibilities are endless. As we've heard today, authors like Kirsten Weiss have created entire worlds within their works, referencing their own books and connecting readers to a larger universe. So whether you're writing or reading, don't be afraid to explore new genres, experiment with different structures, and let your imagination run wild. Just like the tarot decks, each story has its own unique meaning and journey. Embrace the mystery, trust your intuition, and let the magic of storytelling guide you. Happy reading. Again, I hope you found some wisdom that you can take with you into your day-to-day life. With that, have a spiritual AF week. Thank you for joining us for Spiritual AF Sundays. This show is hosted by the Mystic Geek, that's me. Got comments or questions from today's episode? You can either email me at jess at themysticgeek.com or send me a voice message at speakpipe.com slash themysticgeek. Don't worry, I'll put the link in the show notes. Help others start off their week with a spiritual AF Sunday by sharing this episode with them. Also, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts help spiritual seekers find our show. So do the thing.